got a message for you uh, that we've crafted specifically for this community. I, I believe we don't know each other, but I think we're family already. It is around this idea of a greater story. I, I want to leverage my story to help you connect to God's story in a greater way, especially in a season in which we all need it most. So let's do it. When my mother was 21, she had me and my twin sister. She had three kids already. So that's five kids age 21 in the hospital. She was by herself with these five kids because you see my father had left the picture. He was addicted to all types of Substances. In fact, if I were to put a pen right there and come back to it, uh, three months ago to this day, we lost my biological father to COVID-19. Never met him, spoken to him twice in my life. Um, we lost him because he had diabetes and he was in the hospital in New York City when New York City was the hotbed of COVID-19. He walked outside of the hospital, went down the street to get drugs, contracted COVID-19, came back into the hospital and passed away. I'll tell you that part of his story um, because I want you to know uh, how long substance abuse has been a part of his life. And so he had left my mother in the hospital at 21 by herself with five kids and she's faced with a decision. Do I raise these two new twins, me and my sister in poverty or do I give them up for adoption in hopes that everything would work out? Send them kind of up the river like Moses. Well, don't get too sad. <laughs> um, Cause she did send us up the river like Moses she gave us away for adoption, and we did get adopted. And we got adopted by a lovely couple who had met about a year prior to that in Washington, D.C. on Sunday at 3 p.m. in the laundromat. Um, my mother, who raised me, the one that adopted me, and from now on, when I say mother, I mean them. When I say father, I mean them, the ones that raised us, the ones that adopted us. Uh, my mother, um, the night before she was in the laundromat on this Saturday, uh, she, can I be honest, she, she was hit in the head with the hammer by what would be now her ex-husband. He was a Black Panther. Don't know if you know much about the Black Panther Party, but some of them, not all of them, but some of them uh, were just a little aggressive, and he was aggressive, and he had hit in the head with the hammer. So she got up that Sunday morning um, looking for an alibi because you see, uh, she said to herself, I I've got to get out of this situation by any means necessary, which means that I'm probably going to have to kill him. So if anybody wanted to know where she was at 3 p.m. on Sunday, she was at the laundromat walking around looking crazy with a gun in her purse my father sees her across the room, walks up to her and says, what's up, girl? She said, hold on, I don't know you. Because she's crazy. <laughs> Long story short, they both walk out of the laundromat. My father at the time was actually going through his second divorce. He goes through with his divorce. My mother goes through with the divorce by somehow. She gets it done. And 
they start dating and they give their life to Christ for the first time. Listen, I'm 32 right now. My dad was 50 when he adopted us. They give their life to Christ. They get married and they start doing what married people do. Now, I don't need to tell you what married people do. Hopefully, if you're married out there, you're doing the do because it's important. As they do the do, uh, they realize my mother can't have kids, but my mother has always wanted to have kids. So she looks at my father and she says, hey, I can't have kids, but you know I want to have kids, so can we adopt? He says, well, here's the deal. If we adopt, I want to make sure we adopt them from birth because I don't want anyone coming along saying I didn't raise them from birth. Because you see, in his first marriage, uh, the mom took the kids away. And so they grew up without Father, so this was his opportunity to do it right. And so they leave Washington, D.C., drive down to Augusta, Georgia, where we had just been given up for adoption. They walk into the adoption home and they look at our crib. They lean over and they say, we want them. We had just been in the home, adoption home, for about two months. And here we are with these lovely human beings looking in our crib saying, we want them. The lady who's running the adoption agency comes running from the back. Can I be honest? I think she was a white woman. I, that's, and you'll know why this is important. She runs from the back to my parents and she says, no, 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 you don't want to adopt them because you see where they come from they're probably not going to be much. Crack, addiction, prostitution. When you look at some of the adoption papers, they say that they traced some of my mother's steps back to a prostitution house. Now, we don't know if she was prostituting or if she was just living there, um, but it was a part of our story. She said, I know this is your opportunity to do it right. You've just given your life to Christ. You've been married twice, and now it's your third one. You've been married once, and it was abusive. And now this is, if, if you want to get it right, don't adopt them. In fact, they're probably going to be mentally challenged. I don't know if you've seen the movie War Room before by the Kendrick brothers, but Priscilla Shire does an amazing performance. And the concept of the film is that you will find a closet, and it will become your prayer closet which would be named your war room, right? Is that, that you go to war in the spirit. And so they form their version of a prayer closet, their version of a war room uh, in the middle of this adoption home. And they say, God, what would you have us do? Are these our kids? You've led us to this. There, the, there are words that have been spoken over them. Is this true or is it, what are you saying? My father says that the Lord spoke to him and let him know no, these are your kids. They're going to be okay. And they adopted us anyway. Three months later, they take us home. The week of Christmas. And Channel 2 Action News here in Atlanta, Georgia, um, came out to the house. And, and the headlines read, Christmas miracle. Twins have been rescued. And listen, this is what we looked like when we were adopted. Look at this. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking and I don't need you to say it. I know my head was big. I know it was big. But I don't need you to let me know. Take, get it off the screen. It, it might be off the screen. Hopefully it's off the screen already. It was taking up too much 
Aaron. Listen, uh, that began our childhood, and uh, it was awesome. We weren't rich. We, um, we didn't have everything we wanted, but we had everything we needed, right? We, we grew up on Auburn Avenue, the birthplace of civil rights. Historic Auburn is what they call it, sweet Auburn, where the uh, uh, SCLC sat, right? The Martin Luther King's only organization, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Uh, my dad had a barbershop on Auburn right across the street from the Martin Luther King Jr. Center for Nonviolent Change, where the above tombs of MLK and Coretta sit to this day. That's where we grew up, seeing murals of John Lewis. In fact, when I was five years old, I have a picture uh, sitting on John Lewis's lap as uh, my dad cut his hair. We grew up around civil rights, royalty, and black excellence. My mother, um, she uh, worked corporate FedEx and quit corporate FedEx to be a secretary in the school system to guide our academic career. And uh, she looked at my sister, and she noticed that my sister was smart. And so she put her in all of these magnet programs. And listen, my sister got all A's from kindergarten up to 12th grade. I went to Spelman College and Georgia Tech on a dual scholarship, became an industrial engineer. She's killing it. And then my mom looked at me. <laughs> and she said, well... We know he talks a lot, right, right? And so, so maybe he's an artist. And so she put me in performing arts schools. And uh, by 10th grade, I was playing six instruments and got my first record deal at 16 and went on to ministry school, started a nonprofit, and we reached 80,000 kids in the inner city in a year. And then finally, I'm here with you. I feel like I made it, right? <laughs> Listen, God really did take a mess and turn it into a miracle. We overcame the odds. But that's not the end of the story. Uh, There's another part to the story that I have to tell you about. Um, It's a little tradition that we had in our household called NFL football. Anybody else got that tradition out there? Come on, just wave your hand or put it in the chat right now. Say, yeah, that was my tradition. Yeah, that was my tradition. Yeah, that's good. Um, In this tradition... There was one rule. Okay, listen. The only rule is that you don't talk. If you talk during the game, you got to get out. Okay? And so uh, here we are watching the game on a Sunday afternoon again. And the four of us, my father breaks the rule. He breaks the rule. Now, my, my father who adopted us, um, he was from the country, is from the country. Uh, Pike County, Georgia. I, I say chickens, cows, and rutabagas, right? I think you know about that when I talk about the country. Um, and, and, and so he was just a little loud. Now, not, not everybody, I'm not saying this, not everybody from the country is loud, uh, but my father was that country person that was loud. You know, you know the, the ones that speak, um, and it's their normal volume, right? They're actually yelling at you, but to them, they're talking normal. That's my dad. So he breaks the rule in the middle of the game, and he yells, in his mind, talking normally at me and my sister. And he says, you know what you need to do? We said, oh, my God, what? He said, well, you need to go find your parents. And we said, what? He said, well, you can grow up one day and marry your cousin, and you would never know it. We were like, what? You don't want to marry your cousin, do you? No. Well, then you need to go find your biological family. Okay. 
And then, and then he says, and another thing, the Steve Harvey show is going to help you do it. At, at that point, I got up and left. Right? I mean, I, I was like, you've lost your mind. This man is crazy. Well, I find out two weeks later, he has convinced my sister to write into the Steve Harvey show. Now, let's pause. I, I told you that the man had a barbershop on Auburn Avenue, historic Auburn. I don't know if you know anything about the black barbershop, right? There's a couple movies called Barbershop with Ice Cube. Now, if you're a Christian and heavy Christian, don't watch it, right? It's some select language in it. I'm not recommending it. But if you ever have seen the movie Barbershop, you know uh, that the film is about kind of the epicenter of the black community, like the male, black male communities, where black men kind of go and figure out what being a man is all about. And, and you do kind of the same things in the black barbershop, right? You, you, you talk trash. <laughs> you, you debate politics. You debate religion. You eat. You cut hair. And most importantly, you watch TV. So this man, my father, had watched the Steve Harvey show every day. And he said that the Lord told him one day while he was watching the show that he was going to help us find our biological family. He yells at my sister. I call her. I say, why did you write into the show? She said, well, they're not going to write us back. And he just kept yelling. I said, okay. So we thought nothing of it. A year goes by. My phone rings again on a Monday. But at 3 p.m., I answer, it's my sister. I said, hello? She said, the Steve Harvey show just called me. They're going to call you by and hung up the phone. I said, what? <laughs> my phone rings again in the next minute. Hello? Hey, this is Dorothy from the Steve Harvey Show. I said, hey, hey, Dorothy, how are you? She said, hey, um, um, this is my first week on the job. Uh, I just left Jerry Springer. I said, what? <laughs> Why are you telling me all that? And she said, well, there were 100 stories on my desk when I walked in. Um, yours was the top story. We think we can help you find your parents. Do you want to do it? I said, Dorothy, let me call you back. Home the phone. I call my sister. Hey, Sarah, do you want to do it? She says, no, my sister. No. But I feel like we have to. This doesn't just happen. They fly me, my sister, and my parents up to do the show in Chicago. We get on set. Dorothy says, we're so sorry. We've hired a private detective. Um, we couldn't find anyone. But we want to bring you on the show anyway to make a plea that uh, maybe they will show up. So they bring us on the show. We introduce ourselves. Um, and then this happened. Uh, well, everybody, uh, my next guests are twins with an absolutely incredible story. Uh, they were given up for adoption at birth, and today... They're asking everyone at home for help finding their biological mother. Please welcome Sarah and her twin brother, Sam. Welcome. So, Sam, let me ask you, what do, what do you know about your birth mother? We don't know that much. What we do know um, from the papers that we had, about 100, about 100 pages in this particular packet, um, we were born down in Augusta, Georgia. She was 21 when she had us, and her sole income was welfare. That's all she had. And I think at that moment, she had to make a decision when we were born. Do I raise them in poverty or do I uh, give them up for adoption and pray and hope that they would be adopted into a family that could take care of them? 
And so that, that's what happened. What do you think? Yeah, Steve, um, you know, we don't really know much about the situation under which she gave us up for adoption, but we just like to think that she did it, you know, out of love in her heart. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. What was it like for you? I got to say, it was unbelievable. You know, I call it the Moses story. Our mother gave us up, and we were raised by two amazing people. I mean, I think people are a little bit shocked sometimes because we don't really have that much resentment or so on and so forth because we there were no holes in our heart. Our, our dad was at every basketball game, every cheerleading match. They were, they were everywhere. And, um, you know, we believe that our mom was supposed to birth us, but our parents were supposed to raise us. Wow. Yes, Steve, um, you know, our childhood was amazing. Um, you know, our parents afforded us some opportunities that I don't think we would have had, you know, under di different circumstances. You know, they really valued education and, you know, they taught us to be faithful in God. And as a result, you know, I was able to go to Spelman College and Georgia Tech under a full scholarship. Wow. Thank you. That's right. And so today I'm an industrial and systems engineer and I think, you know, under different circumstances, I don't think I would be who I am today, so. What do you do? Uh, I went to ministry school. I'm a pastor, and um, I have a nonprofit. We've <laughs> helped over 80,000 kids in Georgia, and your I life worked out for real. <laughs> <laughs> a pastor? <laughs> That's really good, man. Wow, these had to be two really great people. Oh, yeah, they, they're unbelievable. You couldn't ask for better. Well, they're here. The twins' adoptive parents, Lamar and Belinda, support their search and they're here today lamar and belinda welcome to the show i guess i guess lamar said i'm gonna stand up and clap for myself <laughs> lamar and belinda you encouraged them obviously how was that for you it was an awesome awesome situation these guys here they was made for me and my wife to raise as far as the adoption come about, I, I decided after they've gone, got some age on them, they, they need to know their biological mom. So we sat down around the table and we talked about everything. And uh, Sarah said, well, I write a letter to Steve Harvey because if anybody can help us, it will be Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Really? Yeah. That's why we're here today. Wow. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yes, sir. And I'm truly grateful for what the mother did. And my purpose is to say to her, thank you. Thank you for having enough courage, enough love in your heart to do the right thing for some children who were more than deserving to have it. Wow. We thank yeah. you. Really? Well, uh, Sarah and Sam uh, want some help finding their mom and their siblings. Well, coming up next, we got some experts here who are going to help you. Make a strong plea to find your biological family. Now, here's the thing. I know I said that we didn't find your birth mother, but that's not the case. Eleanor, come on out. Say something. Yes, I've been looking for you guys. Uh, ever since I, I gave you up for adoption, I was young, 
and wasn't able to take care of you. But when I got older, I, re I was able, and I've been looking for you. And I'm currently as a, a STNA, and I'm in school for healthcare administrator. I turned my life over to God. I've been praying. <laughs> grateful that you guys are doing good. And I want to thank the parents for raising them. Thank you. Thank God. I've been praying 25 years to find you guys. Sam, let me start with you. How you how you feeling? My human side is leaning in one direction, but my spirit is saying, hallelujah. And I'm having this war. There's this war happening. There's this war happening in, in me that's that's wanting me to feel one way, but I feel God is saying, I know you're feeling this way, but what I, but I need you to, I need you to say thanks because I've been carrying you from day one. And so I got, I got to say thanks. Oh, thank you. Steve, Steve, Steve. Hey, hey man. You gotta have some moments in you where you resent and you wonder, but man, oh man, oh man, to have just this moment of peace, this moment of resolution, what man, that's worth, it's, it's worth the whole trip. And my God, them two people over there, man. All right, I got something else too. So, where's well, your siblings is here too? So, Erica, Jarrell, and LaShawn, come on out. This the good one right here. This your brother. <laughs> this the good one. Oh, man. What's up with you, man, bro? I want to say thanks to all my guests. This has been great. No more words. We'll be back. I'm sorry I didn't warn you. Um, I know uh, it can be, well, it is an emotional story. Um, over the last year, uh, I've been writing this book about what you just saw. I'm telling you about that because it was an interesting process. In the book, we talk about what it was like to reunite and what our life is like now. It's been about seven years since this moment on the show, and uh, a lot has happened. 
talked about many of the life lessons that I was not able to tell you today just for the sake of time, but even overcoming the obstacles. Because even though we um, were adopted, we did not escape the challenges of life. Listen, I'd love for you to get it if you're in a moment or in a season where you're trying to figure out how God can take a mess and turn it into a miracle, how God can leverage your story to overcome obstacles. But there's one moment in here that I want to talk to you about that happened after the show. And it was, it was with me and my brother, my biological brother, same dad, same mom. And uh, he pulled me to the side as we were kind of just hanging out after the show, getting ready to go get some food and talking to some therapists they had on site. He said, hey, man, I know you may feel like you missed out on something. But I want to let you know you didn't miss out on anything. He said, no, uh, you may feel abandoned, but you weren't abandoned. You were rescued. There were moments that we went four and five days without eating. God saved you. We were so hungry at times. We were shaking. So put, put all that away. God, God saved you. After that moment, you know, my adoptive parents, they rolled out, right? They got on the plane and uh, they left earlier. My sister went back to D.C. where she was living. She's now living in Atlanta, but she went back to D.C. And here I am by myself walking through the airport with my headphones on. You know how it is when you're by yourself in the airport and you're just thinking, you're contemplating. I got the music blasting. I'm on the plane flying back and I'll be honest, I'm wrestling with God. I'm wrestling with God. I'm going, God, what, what is happening? But out of all of the questions that I had for him, the good, the bad, the ugly, the biggest one that stood out was this one. And it's, I think, one that we all have. Even right now in the midst of COVID-19 and in the midst of civil unrest, and in the midst of a lot that we're going through, the question that we have is why? Why? My question to God, God, why did you take me and my sister out? But you left them in. You rescued us, but you left my other siblings in. And that was really a smaller question related to a larger question that we all ask. It's one of the greatest questions of Christianity, and it's, God, why do you do what you do? Why do, why do bad things happen to good people? How come I live in America, but there are some that live in other places that don't have anything? God simply said to me, Sam, I, I took you and your sister out because I had a plan. And I know it may not make sense to you, Sam. I, may, I know you may not know uh, why I moved the chesses, the chess pieces on the chessboard the way that I moved them, but I, but I, have, I have a plan. I, and, I, and I've always had a plan, and I'll always 
have a plan. And, and he started letting me know this, that uh, with, with the, the civil unrest that we're going through and, and with cancer and with AIDS and with right, uh, racism and, and all types of things and with COVID-19 and deaths and calamity, and then you take free will and you mix it up with all of that. You, you, you take it all, you put it in a pot and you stir it around and you get what we call this life. It's confusing. It's hard. It's sad. But in the midst of that, woo, this is what the Lord is saying. In the midst of the calamity, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the racism, in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of cancer, I have a plan. I have a plan to redeem humanity. I have a plan to set the captive free. I have a plan to break generational curses. I have a plan to redeem this world. He said, Sam, maybe the plan would be that I would trade two for 80,000 later on. Maybe the plan would be uh, that, that one day you would get to the point to where I would reunite you on the Steve Harvey show and you write a book and you would be here with them. Letting them know that no matter where you are, no matter where you're watching this, that God has a plan. Maybe the plan was that I would be here with you right now, today, in your living room on your phone, in your ears, telling you that it doesn't matter how dark the situation is, God can turn the mess into a miracle. And God has a plan. And the plan may not work the way you want it to work, but he has one. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, but he is good. When I think about... Um, how we were able to grab a hold to the plan that God had for us. Because if God has a plan, the question that we all have in this moment is, well, how do I get it, right? If God has a plan for me, how do I access it? Because what I'm looking at right now, I don't think God has a plan at all. I some of you may be saying, I think God has forgotten about me. And I want to tell you this. When I look throughout our story, the consistent theme that allowed for our story to connect to God's story was surrender. It was surrender. Yeah, when, when my mother gave us up, right? I, I got to be honest, I have to thank her for giving us up because had she not given us up, we would have been hungry too. She put down her will, picked up God's will. When my parents came to adopt us and the lady said, no, you don't want to adopt them because where they come from, they're not going to be much. And they went against her words and listened to the words of God. They surrendered to his will. When I turned 16 and gave my life to Christ for the first time, or well, how about when my sister who didn't want to go on the show, made the decision to go. In all of those moments, there is surrender. And listen, when you surrender every single day to God's will over your own, to God's ways over your own, to God's behaviors over your own, it, listen, it allows for your story to connect to God's story, and it leads to a greater story. So if there was one statement I would leave you with today, it's that when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. 
You know, one of my favorite verses that really helps to underscore this idea of surrender is that we would trust in the Lord with all of our heart. It's in the book of Proverbs. Lean not to our own understanding, but trust in him. Acknowledge him in all our ways, and he will direct our path. That is Solomon, one of the wisest men, (laughs) the wisest man to ever live, saying this is how you live your best life. You trust in him. You surrender. You acknowledge him, and he will show you where to go. Let's pray. Wherever you are, come on, lift your hands. Come on, lift them, lift them, lift them, lift them. Come on, in your living room, in the car, on the phone. Come on, lift your hands, lift them. And receive the power of God. Receive his presence. Come on, in this moment, surrender to him your anxiety. Surrender to him your worry, your doubt, your confusion. Give it to him. Maybe for some of you, he's waiting on you to let go so that he can step in. Come on, in this moment, give it to him right now and let him write the greater story he has for you. God, I lift up all my brothers and sisters right now who are watching this, no matter where they are. I lift them up. I pray for you to be with them. God, use them. Give them the strength to do what they could not do on their own. Let your spirit invade their houses and their minds. For some of them, they need even greater resources. God, would you bring the resources? For for some of them, they just need to trust more. Would you give them the faith? will you allow for them most importantly to surrender every single day to you every decision every moment every thought so that their story can connect to yours and so that it can lead to something greater in jesus name amen 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 come on what an incredible word this morning uh, i'm sure you can agree with me right now and just gratitude Uh, for Pastor Sam sharing an incredible word with us today. And, you know, right now, as he was talking about surrender and just prayed that wonderful, beautiful, powerful prayer with us about trusting God with all of our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding, but acknowledging him in all of our ways so that he can make our path straight. As we take that position of surrender, maybe you're watching right now, and it could be in this moment, It could be sometime removed from this very moment that you're watching this later, listening to the podcast. But I want to give you the opportunity right now to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time in the sense of I've never made a decision to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. And so right now, if that's you and you're saying, man, I need to first take this step to say yes to Jesus and to make a decision to follow him, And then everything else that we heard about in this incredible message today, we can begin to see the plans of God unfold and to align ourselves with him and to live on the path of the story he's writing for you. Amen. So if that's you, would you pray with me right now? Come on, let's let's just take this moment seriously. The Holy Spirit is moving. Come on, pray after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you were crucified, that you died, 
that you took the weight of the world's sin upon yourself, that you bore stripes upon your back for my healing and for the forgiveness of my sins and to help reconnect me back to you. Right now, I decide to follow you. Right now, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Not only do I give you my sin, but I give you my life. Have your way in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And whether you prayed that prayer with me or you prayed your own version of that prayer, I wanna tell you right now that all of heaven is rejoicing and that in this very moment, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come and we celebrate that with you. And if you just made that decision, we wanna know about it. And we want to come alongside of you and help you on your journey of following Jesus and get you connected with other people. Because again, we are all about growing together in Jesus. And so if you would just text the word follow to the number that you see on your screen right now, that will lead you to a place where you can fill out uh, your information so that we can follow up with you. We want to give you a Bible. We want to give you uh, next steps so that you know what to do next. You know, what now? What now? And so we want to come alongside of you and help you answer those questions. So would you just text the word follow right now at the number on your screen? Awesome. Awesome. Well, what an incredible day we've had today, church. And, and I pray that, that God really ministered to you. And man, thanks once again to Pastor Sam Collier for, uh, for sharing such an incredible message and with such vulnerability, such honesty, such uh, anointing today. And uh, man, it just ministered to me and just reminded me of the goodness of God. Amen. And that when we connect our story to his, man, it leads to a greater story. How many of you want to live a greater story? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, hey, don't forget, again, this week, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, join a watch party, listen to the Growing Together segment, get connected with other people. It's just an incredible opportunity. Just mark your calendar, be a part of it. Go to our church website, gtchurch.online, and you can uh, find out all the information about how to get signed up for that and really information on anything else, okay? We want to be a resource for you. We love you, and we are looking forward to getting together once again, whether in this format or uh, by the grace of God in this room. And so we are believing for that, that the best is still yet to come. Church, we love you and uh, are believing that the best is yet to come. And so may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord grant you peace. Amen. God bless.